This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. The following episode of TOEFOP is rated M.A. It may contain Batman references, time travel references, sexual references, lost trains of thought, and mild coarse language. TOEFOP advises that the program is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who enjoys succinct, coherent conversation that might actually have a point. Minors must be accompanied by a parent, guardian or priest. This is John Deke speaking. Yeah. All right. Toe pop. Two, three, one. In three, two, one. <laughs> Everyone relax. This is Toe pop. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. Hello. Uh, what people didn't hear. I, in fact, maybe we should just get uh, Michael to keep it in because his countdown. Normally, he counts us down and he'll go. Uh, he'll say the na- the name of uh, Tofop and he'll say the number of the episode and then he'll count us down three, two, one. But he, this time he went Tofop two, three, one in three, two, one. It was it was delightful. <laughs> it, was, it was like a little haiku. Beautiful wordplay. It was amazing. Now we need to clarify something um, about Mike Hal because. Uh, I'm dealing now with more and more people in the real world who have to contact Mike Hal for certain things. And the interpretations of the name is getting very confused. So we just need to say it on the record that uh, Mike Hal's name is Michael. We call him Mike Hal because he contacted us via a computer and we had no idea if he was real or not. So we're like, he must be AI. His name is not Mikhail because <laughs> I've had a few people asking if they should talk to mikhail i just think i need to rule i just need to sort of put it on front street that we do not have a russian working in our it department just in uh, case yeah our it uh, producer is not a guy who has his own navy <laughs> uh it's mike Hal, but michael you can call him michael as will just did then i, I feel bad because i feel like my, mike Hal has become one of those things like tofop where when it comes up it requires an awful amount of explanation. Yeah, and once you've explained it, the other person isn't clearer on A, why you would do that, B, why it's confusing everybody, and C, why, why you have a podcast in the first place. Well, our other producer, Sam, was complaining that we'll... Because when I write Mike Hal in an email, I write M-I-C, capital H-A-L. Yeah. And Sam was complaining that every time we're having a discussion in which Mike Hal's the subject or included... It takes him so fucking long to put on his caps locks to type out the second half of <laughs> Mike Al. He's like, can we just like call him Mike or something? Something easy? Well, I, I have an added complication uh, in the, the Mike Al world, which is that uh, for my other podcast, Philosophy, I have another person who helps out with that podcast and he sure. books the guests and he does, you know, a lot of the coordinating of, uh, you know, getting that podcast in a weekly format that it is at the moment. And his name is also Michael. And yes. so we go, he, he he's podcast Mike, because um, yeah. on the radio, he was Radio Mike. And so when he came yeah. to the the gritty world of podcasting, oh, and he has his own podcast now, which um, uh, people should check out as well. But um, so he's podcast Mike and Michael is Mike Hal, just so that I can differentiate between the two Michaels. Yeah. I had a meeting with someone who might be doing some work for the show in the future. And he was very confused because we're talking about philosophy and we're talking about TOEFOP. And he was like, okay, so Michael is a producer. And I was like, yes. And he also 
uh, does the compilations and like, well, that's Michael, but then there's Michael who's Mike Howell for our show. And he's gone, but who's Podcast Mike? I'm like, Podcast Mike is Michael who produces philosophy. <laughs> And but Michael is Mike Hal. Michael and Mike Hal are the same person. Yeah, and they also both technically produce philosophy in different yes. ways. So both of the producers of philosophy are called Michael. I call neither of them Michael because that's too confusing. They both have their yeah. individual nicknames. But I have two mics that I do the podcast with, and I have two mics that make the podcast happen. Yeah. So we should now on just have a hiring policy of only mics. It's a mic check. Well, here's the thing: we had so much trouble with our mics early on. I think that it's only, I mean, it was our main contention point of which was like, which way the mic should face, uh, which bit we need to talk into the mic, is the mic <laughs> on, you know, so I think that this is a, you know, it, it's probably very on brand for Tofop to surround ourselves with mics and not having any understanding of what those mics do. <laughs> do you think like if your name, because we've never even bothered to check with Mike Howell, but you know, like. You can't just shorten someone's name and assume they want to be called, like, if he's a Benjamin, he wants to be called Ben. If he's introduced as Benjamin, you can't just call him Ben. You've got you to gotta read the play and see if other people call him that or if he refers to himself as that or, or signs off as that. No one calls him Mike. Okay, good. That's what that was going to be my next question. Are we the only people to call him Mike? We are. Brilliant. Well, we're not calling him Mike, though. We're calling him Mike Hal. That's a very different thing to Mike. We're still kind of paying, you know, we're paying tribute to the full Michael name with a play on Michael yeah. rather than just calling him Mike. Yeah, but it's there, right? Like, if you were, like, no one ever really Yeah, but calls it's there in Chuck. Michael as well. You can't get uppity about somebody calling him Mike. Mike is also in Michael, his name. So that's not a good reason to get angry about it. Yeah, good point. Good point. Uh, now, Will, last week when we spoke, uh, it was a major sporting event happening, uh, um, uh, the playoffs for in the NFL. And uh, when we were recording this, the Royal Rumble has just taken place. Uh, so are you watching the Royal Rumble today? No, I don't know any of the results. I, uh, I'm going to try and go in cold. And um, I was saying to you off air, the Royal Rumble is my favorite of all the pay-per-views because I love the idea that the main event is like every three minutes or two minutes, whatever it is. And you, so yeah, like, explain combat. it, explain the rules of the Royal Rumble for, for people who don't know Royal Rumble rules. So basically it starts with two men in a ring and then a new man is added every, I think it's two minutes or three minutes. Can't really remember. So the idea is it's not about pinning them or anything like that. You have to toss them out of the ring. They've got to, the rule is they've got to go out over the top rope and both feet have to hit the floor. And the reason they're so specific about that is it's become kind of like a running trope in the Royal Rumble that when someone gets tossed out, they may be just like hanging on with like one foot just touching the floor, but they're hanging on and they can bring themselves back in. So it's a, a way to build tension. In fact, there's a wrestler at the moment, Kofi Kingston, who it's become his kind of, uh, one of his uh, go-to things is that Royal Rumble every year, he gets tossed out and then amazingly manages to not hit the ground. Like he's been thrown out, lands on the announcer's table. He grabs a chair and he'll bunny, chop, bunny hop the chair back over to the ring and climb in. So technically... His feet haven't touched the ground. It's kind of like... Um, How long are you allowed you're... out of the ring when... Uh, like, so for example, if he's thrown out of the ring and he lands yeah. on the announcer's table, can he then just a... lay on the announcer's get... table for like a couple of rounds while other people yes. are fighting? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched, I watched. I think it was last year's Royal Rumble where Chris Jericho... Or the last Royal Rumble that Chris Jericho was in. Because Chris Jericho, he's old now and so he's not as fit as he used to be. 
And even when he was in his prime, he wasn't that fit. Like he was always, you know what I mean? He's one of those guys who's always fat fit, like barrel chested, you'd call him. But now he's a bit more barrel chested. He's more barrel than he is chest. But the last Royal Rumble that he did, he just slid out of the ring for possibly 15 minutes. Like I just, because I remember watching going, Chris Jericho's just hanging out, like, you know, catching a breather on the side of the ring. Like, I think you got to stay involved, like, you know, grab guys' legs and all that kind of stuff. But, um, yeah, that's but essentially the you, you can to... have a bit of a smoko for a couple of rounds while people are 100%. Yeah. 100%. And I think the other thing, too, is you don't want to see, like, there's a certain number of guys in the ring where it just becomes impossible to pull off any moves or do anything cool. Like, you, it doesn't matter if a couple of guys are taking a smoko. <laughs> Because you want to like get the action going in the center of the ring. Uh, yeah, okay. So, but that's a good tactic, surely, if you're in early. Is it a lottery system? How do they come up with the order of the Royal Rumble? That's a good question. Mike, how can you just bring up the Royal Rumble on Wikipedia? I'm not sure. I think there's a, I think the winner of the Royal Rumble goes to WrestleMania. I know that much. That's the incentive to win. But I'm not sure how they pick the entries. And I think there's only a couple of guys who have won it from first place. Yeah, because like if you if you're going into the ring first, okay, Mike Hell's got it up there. So, because um, if you're going in in first place, clearly you want to be thrown out at some stage and get a bit of a breather while other people are beating up on each other. That's got to be one yes. of your tactics early on. Yeah, yeah. My tactic would be just to hide. <laughs> like I would just like. The first three minutes where it's just one-on-one, I just run. Just keep running around the ring. Like, just try and catch me. And then when the other guy gets in the ring, I'd make somehow engineer the fight between them and then just hide. And then I would just <laughs> proceed to keep hiding. Just constantly hiding behind someone else or, like, blending in with one of the, like, the poles in the ring or, like, you know, being out oh, that's the a great idea. in the crowd with, like, My a outfit. sign in front I'll of be- your face. I'll come out in like head to toe in like a bobsledding outfit that is the exact color of the ring. <laughs> so my, I'll just starfish it. <laughs> it's just like, where's Clawson? Where's he gone? You just see my head and my hands and my feet. Because technically you could lay on the floor of the mat and as long as yeah. nobody laid on top of you and tagged you out, you're still in the match. It no, doesn't matter that you're laying down, long- right? As long as no one picks you up, you still get a bit tossed out of the ring. In fact, what you could do, yeah, right. you could go into the ring with a chain and a padlock and bolt yourself, like drill a hole in the middle of the mat and bolt yourself to it because then no one can throw you over. You're going to win. Or at the very least, as you're coming in, making your entrance, like, yeah. you know, like you've got some sort of uniform on that is mm. like padded because you want it like because people are going to stomp you and stuff like that to try to make you move. So you've got to get some sort of padding. But you're also just pouring, like some of them will pour bottles of water or bottles of oil over <laughs> their chest at the top of the thing. You're just pouring clag and like you who sticks and stuff like that. So that when so you get into stick. the ring, you immediately uh, just slam onto the floor and stick to the floor. I love it. I mean, that should you should build your entire gimmick around that. You should be a specialist wrestler who only comes in for the Royal Rumble. Right. And you could call yourself like snot or something. Yeah. Like, <laughs> just the, covered the, in goo. The human chewing gum. You just can't get him off the floor. Here comes mucus. I could totally hear like, I don't know, Puddle of Mud doing my entrance music. <laughs> Sticky stains. <laughs> Sticky Stains. That is a much better wrestling name. Sticky Stains from Parts Unknown. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
That's a great wrestling name. <laughs> uh, all right. Do you have some information about the Royal Rumble? Yeah. Can you read it? Because uh, as we just found out when I was, um, uh, before yeah. we started recording, when I was reading an ad, I, I can't read. So no, I think I Mike, I'll put a link in the message window. And oh, it'd just be less painful for everyone if I just do no, not that's try right. and read anymore. I've got, I've got my glasses on. Uh, all right. Here we go. The Royal Rumble. Uh, so... Uh, the Royal Rumble is a professional wrestling event uh, produced every January since 1988. I mean, that's a lot of years of the Royal Rumble, isn't it? Like, it's got some genuine 31. history. Uh, so, um, all right. Uh, after the initial event, blah, blah, blah. Okay, the event itself. This is what we want. Okay, I, you know what? Uh, I've, I've gone to the actual 2019 page uh, on Wikipedia okay. of the Royal Rumble because... It's going to give us, you know, better information about what's going on. So, um, uh, here we go. Uh, it's an ongoing pay-per-view event, as we know. Um, uh, it takes place uh, on January 27, uh, 2019 at Chase Field in Phoenix, Arizona. It is the 32nd event promoted under the Royal Rum Rumble chronology. So, there's been 32 Royal Rumbles. Huh. Um, as a tradition, the winner of the men's and women's Royal Rumble matches will earn a world championship and world women's championship match at WrestleMania. So you're right. Okay, right. <laughs> um, so it's happening this year as well. The men will have their choice of either Raw's Universal Championship or SmackDown's WWE Championship, while the women can choose. Oh, yeah, okay, blah, blah, blah. Uh, okay, the storyline. So why would, why, if you had to choose between the, the WWE Championship or the Universal Champion, which one are you going for? Well, I mean... Whichever one that they're paying me to go for, Charlie. <laughs> like whatever one the writers and the people who come up with the storylines have determined yeah. that I am going for. That is the one that I would choose. They are both made-up titles and they don't really mean anything. So I guess one imaginary title over the other imaginary title, I would not really worry one way or the other. Sticky Stains doesn't want any creative input in his storylines. <laughs> I've come up with the name and the gimmick, guys. I feel like I've given you more than enough to work with. And much like the sticky stain I am, I'm just going to now lay on the floor. <laughs> That's what I do in all meetings. You just go into Vince McMahon's office and just starfish it face down on the floor. Um, all right. The card will include matches that result from scripted storylines where wrestlers portray heroes. I mean, this is a real background on wrestling, to be honest. Uh, uh Wrestlers portray heroes, villains, or less distinguishable characters on Raw, SmackDown, and uh, blah, blah, blah. Okay, all right. Um, uh, okay, that's almost too, that too much the rules? information, to be honest. Um, all right, this is not that good either. I need rules of the Royal <laughs> Rumble. Okay. That one was just going to tell me about every single match leading up to it. Well, here's something I'll tell you, Will, about having gotten back into wrestling recently is their fandom is on par with, like, Trekkies and stuff. Like, dudes who are into wrestling are way into wrestling. Like, when you Google some wrestlers, like, or go to Wikipedia, go to some wrestler's page, you will get every single match they competed in, how it went down, what people wrote about it. It's insane, the amount of detail. The amount of podcasts that are dedicated to wrestling. Like, it's crazy. Okay, here we go. This is good. Forbes magazine is writing about the wrestling, Charlie. Okay. I've gone straight good. to the highest. I, uh, I imagine uh, it's a column by uh, the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
all right, here we go. So um, these are your potential surprise entrants for the Royal Rumble. Uh, he's written an article about that. So this is okay. right up our alley. This is better. So potential surprise entrance, The Undertaker. Speculators have opined about the dead man making an appearance during the Lesnar-Baylor match, but I believe it's possible he could be actually part of the Rumble. It seems no one is expecting him to have his number called. While Taker is normally associated with WrestleMania, there's no reason he can't shock the world at the Rumble before his annual match at the Showcase of the Immortals. All right, what do you think of that? Well, uh, if anyone saw the match he had in Melbourne about six months ago against uh, Triple H, it was... I mean, he looks... He he looks like he should just take it easy. Looks I mean, like he literally, he, looks like he should consult another Undertaker. Is that what he's saying? <laughs> yeah. He just looks like he just looked a little a little slow. He's lost a yard or two, old yeah. old Taker. The Undertaker came to Melbourne and fought in a match against uh, the women from White Ladies Funerals. <laughs> no, 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 no. Will he took on the Tobin brothers? <laughs> <sighs> they both would be good wrestling names. You know what his favorite TV show is? Uh, what? Six Feet Under. Oh, oh boo. Oh, boo to you. <laughs> Continue. Uh, Bray Wyatt. Who's Bray Wyatt? It's about time for Wyatt to reappear. He's been gone for a yeah. while. He teased a different... Pers- his gimmick is kind of like white trash, scary kind of white trash, like uh, true detective, American gothic. He does like, he comes to the ring and it's all dark and he's got like a lantern, like he's walking through a swamp. He's got a beard. He's all creepy. He does this weird like spider walk, like from The Exorcist when he's in the ring. He's a real weirdo. <laughs> I, I, I'm pretty intrigued to be honest with that. But um, apparently he teased a different persona and that it would appear mm. at the Rumble. So... Uh, there's a chance that Bray Wyatt's going to unleash his new persona at the Royal Rumble. <laughs> I'd love to see what that is. Um, the Velveteen Dream. Um, Velveteen Dream seems like the most likely call-up. He's not embroiled in an NXT storyline that would be a major deal to interrupt, and he's the kind of presence who could make an immediate splash. Do you know anything about the Velveteen Dream? No, I don't know anything about the Velveteen Dream. Great name, though. Almost as good as Sticky Stains. <laughs> I'd like to see Sticky Stains up against the Velveteen Dream. I don't believe that Sticky Stains... I, I believe that Velveteen is not something you want Sticky Stains associated with. Yeah, exactly. I had a Velveteen Dream last night and woke up with Sticky Stains. Yeah, I'm about to give you a Velveteen Nightmare, if you know what yeah. I'm saying. <laughs> that, that's his, that's his um, killer move. It's the, it's the wet nightmare. They call him the wet nightmare. <laughs> Most people have wet dreams. I give you wet nightmares. I'm Sticky Stains. God, that should be... All right, Sticky Stains and Wet Nightmare of a tag team. (laughs) It's called shame. They're called... Just called shame. Uh, All right. Uh, So here are the major storylines in the Rumble. John Cena's injury. John Cena is, uh, is an entrant in the Rumble. However... The WWE revealed Cena injured his ankle and is questionable for the match. Rumors swirled about the injury being part of the storyline, although Cena is selling it on Twitter. Will he or won't he have his number called on Sunday? Don't know. Okay. Uh, Drew McIntyre and Seth Rollins issues. The Scottish psycho. Oh, good. I like that. The Scottish psycho. It's actually the Scottish psychopath. I'm going to have to correct him there. Is that right? The Scottish psychopath and the Kingslayer. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. 
Seth Rollins, he's good. I like Seth. Um, could have one of the most entertaining feuds in years. We've seen it simmer in the weeks leading up to Rumble, and McIntyre played a major role in the angle that led up to the disbanding of The Shield. Oh, who were The Shield? Okay. So The Shield were like, they're the Hounds of Justice, Will. Based <laughs> yeah, on the Michael Chiklis t- television show, yeah. I imagine, right? No, they were uh, three guys all in like black tactical gear. And the gimmick was, they were heels to begin with. And the gimmick was they were like mercenaries, like hired goons to come in and, you know, kick some ass. They were just going, running right through the WWE. And then they turned good. So they pivoted the image from being mercenaries to being like vigilantes. So when they come in, they have this entrance where they won't come down the ramp. They'll enter via the audience. And so everyone's like goes crazy and stuff. And they're... They're finishing, they're kind of like signature whatever is, um, uh, they're finishing movies like a powerbomb, but then they'll, they'll all stick their fists out, like thrust their fists out and bump fists together at the camera. Okay, I'm in. That's, that sounds intriguing yeah. to me. Uh, I think Bobby... it's the Rock's, the Rock's cousin is Roman Reigns. Have you heard of Roman Reigns? He's like, he's the guy that's been, been giving a big push at the moment. He was the universal champion, then he was diagnosed with leukemia. So he's taken time out of wrestling. But he's the Rock's, I think he's the Rock's cousin. So I've met Roman Reigns. Oh, you have? Yeah. Because he, he was like the face of the WWE when it came to Australia. Yeah. And we yeah, had him right. in the studio and he was a really nice guy. He seemed like a really, like he was genuinely, you know, seemed like a sweet kind of really nice guy. Is he a nice guy wrestler? Uh, well, he's had, he's, well, because he started as a heel and then he became a good guy. But he's had this real problem getting over Roman Reigns because... Vince McMahon basically anointed him about two years ago. You know how there's always one franchise guy, Hulk Hogan, Stone Cold Steve Austin, John Cena. And so Vince just decided Roman Reigns is going to be the next, you know, 10-year franchise guy for the WWE. But I think he was fairly, he'd come from football, so he was fairly inexperienced compared to the other guys. And so people felt that he was getting a push too early. And the fans just did not. They didn't, they went, that wasn't organic. They were definitely not into it. So they would boo him as much as they would cheer him. And it's kind of like John Cena's had that whole thing as well. But like the guys who are real company men, the, the real hardcore wrestling fans don't take too very well. So, uh, yeah, he's kind of, hasn't won people over yet, but this um, leukemia diagnosis has won him a lot of sympathy. Uh, well, I guess you know, that's the upside of getting leukemia, I suppose. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's a positive, is it? Yeah. I mean, if you think about it. Yeah, Roman Reigns, it, it, it doesn't quite sound like a wrestler's name. Like, I get that it's got that great alliteration, but there's just a part of it that sounds a bit too porn star. Like, I think I think Roman Reigns should <laughs> yeah. be making a porn movie with Sticky Stains. <laughs> Sticky yeah, right. Stains and Roman Reigns. <laughs> well, it's funny. You've actually met, like, uh, The Rock's family. Like, you've met The Rock. You've met The Rock's cousin. Like, you'll be getting invited around for Christmas dinner soon. I mean, I should have started finagling my way in. I was like, oh, no, your cousin. Yeah. Did, you drop, did you drop The Rock's name? Did you say you'd met The Rock? No, I didn't say that I'd met The Rock. No. Uh, well, A, I didn't really know that that was the case at the time. And B, would, I, yeah, I, I guess I probably would have. Like, but would then you? I probably would have had to tell him that it was the greatest day of my entire life and I've never been more excited about anything. And then he might have just started backing <laughs> away from me slowly. <laughs> He just looks at me like, you're the worst thing that's happened to me this year. And I've got the team here. (laughs) I'm sure he's quite used to people coming up and telling him that meeting his cousin was the greatest day of their life. Well, if you're anyone but The Rock, you aren't as good as The Rock. 
Like I think we've yeah, come exactly. to that. I think we've all agreed on that. So I guess everybody pales in comparison to The Rock. The Rock is one of those people that I certainly I was not the person who discovered The Rock, but I would like to say that I I I yeah. raised the flag and you know yeah. on the fact that I love The Rock pretty early on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're one of those guys who's like, I like I like the old stuff better than the new stuff. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, do I? I think I kind of like the new stuff. Uh, there was something pretty magical about when he was just a wrestler. Like, if you were into wrestling when he came on and you got it, like, you, you knew what he was doing and you could see that he was having fun with it and the way he was breaking the fourth wall. And, like, I think it was pretty cool to see happening. Yeah, I look at The Rock's movie career much like I look at the Foo Fighters. They're pretty good, right. you know, <laughs> but they're no Nirvana. And that's okay. Like the Foo Fighters is still pretty good. Yes, seen, I'm saying um, the Rock's wrestling career was the equivalent of Nirvana. Have you seen, well, uh, not Welcome to the Jungle, what's the Jumanji one? Is it just called Jumanji? Jumanji 2 or something? The one that he did, the remake? If you smell what the Teen Rock is cooking. Sorry, I had to go back <laughs> for that. It was in my head. Yeah, okay. Okay. <laughs> Have you seen the new Jumanji with The Rock? No, I haven't seen it. I don't it's think I've really... seen the old Jumanji. I, don't, I think I've never seen a Jumanji. You wouldn't need to see a Jumanji. I mean, I, it, it's it's really good. It's one of those films that I remember seeing the trailer for, and like five seconds into the trailer, I'm like, oh, Jumanji too. And then by the end of it, I'm like, I'm going to go see that in the cinema. <laughs> like, it's just such a good time, and it harnesses everything that's great about The Rock. Like, he's he's funny, he's heroic, it's just like a charisma Charisma uh, 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 101. Did it answer a lot of the unanswered questions from the original Jumanji? I don't think I've seen the original Jumanji, so I don't know. Okay, but you didn't feel like you'd lost anything going into Jumanji Cold? <laughs> no, not you at all. You still keep up with the Jumanji plotline? Yes. The Jumanji backstory? The Jumanji yeah. universe? The Jumanjiverse? Yes. <laughs> I just like saying Jumanji. <laughs> I'm sorry. Who's after Roman Reigns? Uh, all right, uh, here's another uh, storyline, potential storyline. Bobby Lashley's push. Apart from oh, yeah. Finn and Balor, Bobby Lashley might be getting the strongest Finn push Balor. of anyone. Balor. Balor, sorry. Um, Finn Balor. Uh, good, that's good. I, uh, so, apart from Finn Balor, like Balor? <laughs> Balor. Bobby Lashley uh, might be getting the strongest push of anyone in the WWE. He recently defeated Rollins and won the Intercontinental title. And it's not crazy to think he could win the Rumble. With Leo Rush, a new-age uber-athletic hybrid between Slick and Paul Heyman by Lashley's side, the sky might be the limit. Who's Leo Rush? I have no idea. Okay. Is Ronda Rousey still wrestling? Is she in the Royal Rumble? Yeah. She's the female champion. Oh, yeah. is she? Yeah, yeah. They've taken to her. She's one person who hasn't had trouble transitioning. They love her. Okay. That's good. Um... <laughs> Well, that's it. Well, but you know, this. the interesting thing about this Royal Rumble, in fact, the interesting thing about wrestling this year is, I'm not sure if you know, but there's actually been, there's uh, a new wrestling, like major wrestling organization has just been launched in the last couple of weeks called AEW. Cody Rhodes, son of Dusty Rhodes, brother of uh, um, Stardust, whatever his name was. Cousin of Country Rhodes. Country Rhodes. Yeah. Uh, has gone out and started, met up with a billionaire and is starting a rival uh, organization of the WWE and they've got all these big stars from competitions like the Japanese wrestling and uh, Chris Jericho is there. Chris Jericho is taking a nice big paycheck to launch this as well. And it's going to be the first 
proper challenger to the WWE since WCW folded in the late nineties. So it'll be interesting to see because there is no other, there is no, there is no competition to the WWE, and it's going to be interesting to see how someone takes on. It's like taking on Marvel or taking on Star Wars or or McDonald's, or just some massive corporation. What is their hook going to be? Do we know? Are they going to try to do something differently? Yeah, I think their hook will be. No um, one wrestles. People, people <laughs> have been complaining. Absolutely about, no, no body contact. Well, people are just complaining that the WWE product has gotten stale, that it's because Vince still pulls all the strings and it's the same writers and it's the same family controlling it. It just feels old and stale. They became a PG-rated entertainment organization a few years ago, like oh. so since the Attitude Era. So what they say that the AEW will provide is stuff that just pushes the envelope a bit more the wrestling will be a bit more interesting. The storylines won't be as kind of forced or lame. Like Vince has certain kind of things that he loves about, like he loves really big guys and you know, he doesn't give smaller guys a push. Whereas the, the AEW has lots of smaller wrestlers who are more agile and can do better tricks and all that kind of stuff. So I think it'll be a combination of like just more hip storylines. Like they're young guys who are starting this. So they're probably more in touch with what people want. Um, it's, it's like, it's like, uh, it's like, network television versus like streaming that's what i think it'll be that's the difference is they're just going to be delivering sort of completely uh, uh something completely different in terms of tone and what they can get away with and the point of view well two things firstly i i want a wrestling league that's started by two college dropouts who've looked at major wrestling and thought <laughs> we've got to cut out the middleman but yeah uh secondly this feels like this aew is it aew yeah Feels All like the sort of operation wrestling. that I should be taking sticky stains over to. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah, I'm hearing <laughs> that I shouldn't be taking sticky stains to the WWE. I should be <laughs> taking sticky stains straight over to AEW to wrestle Chris Jericho. I wonder if that's like. I mean, they do have writers in the wrestling, but that would be a fucking great job, wouldn't it? Like, just to sit back and think up gimmicks for people and backstories and storylines and stuff. Like, I think I'd enjoy that. I mean. I'm sure after a while, like my bosses would come to me and say, look, we can't have another contract signing in the middle of the ring that goes awry. Cause as we've talked about in the show, that's my favorite thing is when someone signs a contract or gets married in the middle of the ring and they always get ambushed. And it's like, why book your big event in the middle of the ring? Like there's so, there's, this is stadium is filled with office, office, offices. We can go somewhere else, somewhere safe, some, somewhere secure and private. Why do you want to do it here? So funny, Charlie, that you've come in and you've decided that our big offering to go head to head with WrestleMania will be contract night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe that like you just have everything contract like related. So like when they're doing the Royal Rumble, it's like there's one contract in the middle and everyone's trying to get the pen to sign like the, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like you just base it all around contract signings. The whole thing. In fact, you don't even need a ring. It's like you and I can start like an independent wrestling outfit and it's just an office. <laughs> it's just like one by one, people come in to sign their contracts for some employment. They get ambushed and then someone has to go through the desk. <laughs> That's it. We clean it up. We put another desk in there, bring in someone else, do it I again. Mean, but maybe we just pitch that as an idea to one of those like groovy startup companies, like, you know, a Google yeah. or somewhere that's like coming up with innovative ways to sort of, you know, get their yeah, new employees sort of thinking in a different way. Like, so we literally take that act to literal contract signings for companies. So we just like on contract signing day, they just give us a call and we come in and we reenact um, like a wrestling scenario with someone <laughs> while they're trying to sign their contract to see how they cope with it. I'd like just to start maybe 
a wedding, like maybe I'll become a celebrant, oh, yeah. but all the weddings will take place in the ring. I think that'd be great. <laughs> well, I, mean, I imagine there must be people who get married. Why are all the groomsmen way? so massive? <laughs> They're all these like monsters, gorillas in, in suits. Well, maybe that would be your theme. Like everything has a theme. So like one yeah. night it is like, you know, it's contract night and one night it's tax night and one night it's like, do they do a like wrestling event on like Valentine's Day? Is there something that they, I mean, do they theme the nights in that sort of way where you go, okay, so on like Thursday, you know, uh, February 14, it's, you know, it's Valentine's Day, you know, it's the Valentine's mm. Day massacre, right? So all yeah. the storylines have sort of like a romantic subplot because it's the Valentine's Day show. You know, two well, guys funny. fighting over a girl or like, you know, tag team, you know, of partners wrestling and, you know, stuff like that. It's funny you should say that because I'm actually going to, on Valentine's Day, to see some wrestling. I'm taking Gemma <laughs> to go see wrestling in Sydney. St. Valentine's Bada, Lucha Libre Mexican Wrestling. So is it themed? It's well, obviously themed Mexican, but is it themed Valentine's Day as well? Yeah, it's like, it's looking the, uh, this is what it's got on their Facebook page. Looking for the most original way to show that special person how much you care about them. Then you've found the best way. Take him or her to Lucha Fantastica's St. Valentine's Day battle. Expect an amazing battle between the forces of love and evil with a crazy match featuring one of our greatest stars. Cupido! Who will, be, who will he be fighting against? Drink tequila, have a laugh, yell for your favorite luchador, share a beautiful evening with that special person, and bring your amigos as well. Expect, as always, Mexican folklore. Luchadors and emancerados uh, masked wrestlers doing a combination of sport, entertainment, and dramatic storytelling all rolled up into a flamboyant display, wild and high-flying insanity. A combination of various fighting techniques like wrestling, judo, jiu-jitsu, grappling, kickboxing, and boxing. It is a mixture of all these combat art forms blended with the elements of soap opera, dramatic storytelling, physical comedy, incredible athletics, suspense, and intrigue. Expect dos de tres caídas, two out of three falls, suicidas, suicide moves, desnucadores, power bombs, paradas voladoras, flying kicks, filominas, spin kicks, quebarodas, Quebaradoras, spinning backbreaker, and Tapatillas, Huracanas, and Manita di Porico. Expect mariachis and Tijuana. Real one, C. Expect a Mexican fiesta with DJs. Sounds fun, right? Well, the way you say it in your fluent Spanish really brought it to life. <laughs> it does sound fun. It sounds really like a great night of entertainment. So I've got a couple of questions. My first yeah. one is around, I love when they list all the various techniques you will see because I always love that grappling is listed as a technique. Now, I know that like there is, grappling is a, a genuine sort of, you know, martial art and, you know, technique of, you know, fighting and those sort of things. But it always, when it's up against like karate and jujitsu and then grappling, it always feels like if I had to be able to do any of those, I'd back myself to do some grappling. I don't think I can do any jujitsu, but I reckon I could bust out some awkward grappling. <laughs> when you when you read grappling, what you hear or imagine is scrapping, isn't it? <laughs> like grappling requires technique, you know, like repetition to perfect. You're just thinking like wildly flailing about, swinging limbs, <laughs> trying to hit something, trying to grab something, biting, scratching. Yeah, but what I'm basically saying is, of all of those techniques, grappling would be the one that an amateur can pretend that they know how to do. Like, it's very yeah. hard for me to pretend I know jujitsu, but if I get close enough to somebody else, I reckon I could pretend I'm grappling. 
Do you mean I could do some amateur grappling in a way that I can't bust out any other amateur moves? Okay. The second thing is, are you going to this thing yeah. because you've heard that it's good? Like, uh, has someone put you on to no. this saying it's good? It just uh, it came up in my Facebook feed. I guess uh, algorithms directed wrestling uh, to me because they've been following my YouTube activities and stuff. Um, and I watched the videos and it looked fun. And I, when I was in LA last year, I tried to get out because... It's a, I think it's a bit of an underground thing. You know how like roller derby got really big a few years ago where everyone would go out and see roller derby and you drink and listen to rock and roll and all that kind of stuff. I think that's what's happening with independent wrestling is it's sort of become a hipster kind of thing where you go, there's like bar a bar will put up a ring and guys will come in and, you know, wrestle and stuff and you can drink beers and listen to music and stuff. And it's sort of like a fun time. So I've always had it in my head that I'd like to do it, but I didn't know anywhere in Australia that did it. So that came up in my feed and, I've never seen any Mexican wrestling before, but I watched a couple of videos. I thought, this looks fun. So I just sent Jim a message and said, do you want to go to wrestling for Valentine's Day? She said, yes. I was like, brilliant. I knew there's a reason I married you. There's so much about this I love, though, because like, let's assume, because it does sound good and it sounds very professionally put out there and all those sort of things. So let's just assume it'll be a thing that a whole bunch of people do. However... There's got to be a possibility that you rock up and it's just you and Jem and a whole bunch of blokes. Oh, totally. totally. Like even in their lovely description, they said, you know, bring your loved one and also bring a group of amigos because we understand yeah. that we're probably not pitching this to all the romantic couples in Sydney. Yeah, I mean, like I said with um, the fanaticism of wrestling fans is kind of similar to people who like Star Trek. I also think it, and it, it's kind of like indie comedy, al- alternative comedy. Like it's a similar, because it's kind of ironic, but it's not like, so I think probably will be predominantly dudes, but there, I think I wouldn't be surprised if there's like 30 to 40% women who are kind of there because they get it. I'm hoping that it's not. I'm hoping it's just you and Jim and a whole bunch <laughs> of guys. Yeah. And a hardcore wrestling audience, not people who are there for a laugh and a drink, but dudes who like seriously want to see some violence. But are also no good at it. I hope they're really yeah. hopeless. You get there, they've all got fake moustaches on their faces and it's just you and Jem and a bunch of blokes and it's real scary. <laughs> uh, all right, let's go into some letters. Oh, I, I, I quickly have to, oh. um, just before we get to the letters, I have to, because yeah. we did talk about the Super Bowl last week and I need to oh, yeah. give you a little update on that because I was actually meant to be at the Super Bowl uh, this weekend as an expert commentator, as anyone who listened to last week's podcast would know, we are <laughs> NFL experts. I did see someone online describe our discussing the playoffs as painful. <laughs> painful. I, well, you know what? I read that reply and I found it a little painful as well. So there you go. <laughs> We're even. <laughs> Toe pop. We're even. Um <laughs> So I was meant to be going to the Super Bowl for my day job and it was it was going to be a big trip at the start of the year. In fact, um, I was going to go to San Francisco, do the Sketch Fest, and then I was going to do some live shows with the dollop and then I was going to roll into some yeah. radio over there, um, go to see the basketball, go to get a USA, and then I was going to head to the Super Bowl and it was going to be a pretty fun way to start the year. But as you know from the fact that we are on Skype and I'm sitting in my house in Melbourne, I am not. Uh, doing any of those things i apologize to anyone who uh, wanted to come out and see me at those shows but my work visa uh, that i was reapplying for uh, was held up in the american government shutting down for a month and so in the meantime um, i emerge in an emergency mode 
tried to get a, a media visa. I had to cancel the shows because I couldn't do them, them on the media visa. But um, I tried to get a media visa so I could still go to the Super Bowl and it did not come through in time. Oh. So I am not going anymore. Oh, God, that's awful. Thoughts and prayers, Will. It's, well, you know what? It's funny because the only thing that's getting me through it is the fact that the halftime entertainment is Maroon 5. Yeah, right. Like, if it was a really good band, I would be devastated. If it was like Bruce Springsteen and like Lady Gaga or something, I would like be swimming over there right now and like <laughs> sneaking into the country. I would be getting some costumes from your Mexican wrestling night and going across the border trying to get to the game. Oh, that sucks. That really sucks. Um, all right, let's read some letters. <laughs> Uh, thank you to everyone uh, who has signed up to Patreon. I've seen there's a little, been a little bump recently, which is great. We appreciate it. And of thank course, you. I assume you're all signing up because you want to win one of these coveted Tofop sticker books, limited edition one in 50. Three have gone out already, or maybe four. I can't really remember. I think I sent two to begin with. So if your chance to win one of these Tofop sticker books, um, you just send us a message via Patreon. Will and I will read it out. We'll vote on which letter we thought was best and uh, we'll send you a sticker book. Just remember... To include your name and address. So far, everyone I've had to chase up, don't make me do that. Just include it on the off chance that you win. Yes, we'd like all your names and addresses. We're starting a data mining company. <laughs> First uh, message is from Vanessa. She says, hey, Will and Charlie, I'm attempting to win a sticker sheet. Take two. My first draft was lost when my computer went to sleep. So this is what you're getting, not wordsmithing. I recently listened to one of the latest philosophies, the one with Mikey Robbins. Will mentions a time at uni that he made deep-fried pizza sandwich while possibly stoned. Well, Charlie may already be aware of this due to his choice in his spouse, but Will, you basically made the fantastic Scottish delicacy, Pizza Crunch. It's a shitty frozen margarita pizza that's been battered and deep-fried. Then you must smother it in salt and vinegar. Sorry, I just fucking get <laughs> reading that. The treat... This treat is available in all good Scottish chippies. Next time you're there, order a pizza crunch supper. Supper equals plus chips. <laughs> <laughs> because you always need more yellow food. God bless Scotland. All the usual chat about uh, all the usual chat about I like what you say and you keep me company in the lonely boring hours, etc. etc. Love Ness. Thank you, Ness. <laughs> well, it's off to a good start. Scottish food, Will. Do you want yes. to start? Uh, thank to you, Ness. Uh, for, not from Loch Ness, though, but Scottish. Um, yeah. That sounded delicious. You said that you gagged a little. I started drooling. I started like, you know, when my dog's mouth starts like salivating when she knows that I'm making dinner. I was doing that as that was being described. <laughs> so essentially, because I love a potato cake and I love pizza. And this is just essentially like a potato cake. A pizza. margarita. A deep fried margarita pizza. Oh, yes. You know, I actually... I um I had a pizza last Friday and I haven't had pizza in a while and I was really looking forward to it and I got myself an old school Hawaiian pizza, shaved ham and, and, and pineapple and stuff and I was so looking forward to this pizza and it was not worth it. Like, it was a kind of purchase, you know, where you sort of really build something up in your head and then you get it and it's not quite what you wanted. But rather than just going, oh, well, no harm, no foul, maybe I'll see if someone else wants this or what toss in the bin. You eat it, <laughs> like you eat it kind of begrudgingly. Like I ate the whole thing and didn't enjoy it at all. It's kind of like you and Smallville. <laughs> <laughs> and did you get the Smallville pizza or did you get the Mediumville, the Familyville? <laughs> I got the uh, I got the Smallville pizza. It wasn't a massive pizza, but it was 
it was about six slices of pizza that I did not enjoy. I was so disappointed too, because I was like, I had been thinking about it and I'd really been fetishizing it and stuff. And it's like, oh, well, I guess I'm done with it. That pizza store, I think specifically around me, there's no good pizza. We got um, hamburgers yesterday and there are a lot of fancy hamburger shops, you know, these days that you can get on like, you know, yeah. delivery services. And really, yeah. we've had a really good run, but we tried somewhere different. It was a kind of weird hour of the day. It was sort of in between sort of lunch and dinner. Um, not everything was open. We went with something that was a bit local that looked fantastic. And it was terrible. Like oh, no. the same like experience where I was just like, oh man, like it takes a lot for me to not <laughs> eat the whole hamburger that I've just ordered. But I just, and it was close to home too. So there was not even any, like it came really quickly after they made it. They came, like it got delivered to the house. There was just, there was no excuses. I almost walked the two minutes down to the shop to tell them how terrible it was. I was like, this was too far for me to walk to get this food, but it is not too far for me to walk to complain about this food. Jason writes in, hey, Tofop, hey, Will and Charlie. I thought I would write you with a question to get you guys back on track. As not long ago, you said you might have to change the intro as you rarely talk about Batman or time travel these days. So here we go. As we know, DC have made a few missteps when it comes to their live action movies. Did you see Aquaman? I, th I saw you post something with Gatesy. Gatesy and I went to see Aquaman at, um, yeah. uh, at IMAX. He had already seen it and we went out for a drink one night and... He tried to convince me. He was like, no, it's good. Like, you, you've got to understand it's good. And we had a great laugh for about two hours while I asked him questions about it and made him, like, justify whether it was good or not. And then he said, all right, I'm going to book us tickets to go and see it at IMAX. But I knew that he thought that I would pull out at the last moment. And so because I knew that he knew that I was going to pull out, I was like, fuck it, I'm not going to pull out. I'm going to do it. I'm actually going to go and see. <laughs> like... So, well, what kind of chicken were you playing? Aqua chicken. <laughs> so uh, we went to see it at the IMAX in Melbourne, which is uh, at the, uh, what is it? The art, the museum. The ex exhibition Gardens. Yeah, the exhibition. Yeah, the big IMAX there. So it's a brilliant, huge screen. Um, it's awesome. And, you know, I just like going to the movies, like, to be honest. Like, mm. I'm happy to just, you know, get out of the house and eat some popcorn. Uh, you know, in the cold. I'm, very, I'm, I'm very, so I was excited about it. We got some beers and you know, got some popcorn. And Katie was like, "Can we share popcorn?" And I was like, "I don't know if you've been to the movies with me lately, but we're not sharing popcorn. In fact, I will have some. <laughs> yes, we can. I can share some of the one that you're also getting when I run out of my popcorn." Um, and I had forgotten. Well, I hadn't forgotten that Gatesy didn't watch previews because he has a theory that he doesn't want to see anything about anything before he goes and i'm starting to come around to that way of thinking no, like i think i told you with the assassination of gianni yeah. versace i love that so much because there was just none of it that i knew about before i went into it and i, I think there's there's actually really something in that now and but i didn't yeah. realize that it meant that when we i thought we just wait until the previews were done and then go and sit in our seats but no no no, no. we go into the movies and then when the previews come on he like puts his head in his lap and he puts on headphones so that it can block out the noise. So none of it leaks in. Like, is it like Rain Man when you're trying to check Rain Man on a plane? That's <laughs> but honestly, like... that's what it's like. So that, that that's what it must look like to other people. They must like, oh, that, that, yeah, this guy has autism or whatever. And this is how he deals with the loud noises or something at the start. And that's absolutely fine, you know, but, but that's not what he's doing. He just doesn't want to see the trailers for fucking the Justice that's League. That's so or funny. 
That is like one time my sister, my sister's very sensitive to noise and we went out for dinner in the city at this like, you know, fast paced, you know, bustling city restaurant. And she was, the, the music was driving her mental and she'd asked them to turn it down and they just kind of shrugged their shoulders. were like, sorry, this is like, this is the kind of establishment is we don't turn the music down. And so my sister in protest grabbed two napkins, screwed them up and stuck them in her ears. <laughs> she looked like... She had these two tampons sticking out of her ears and she just sat there like defiantly at our table, like staring at the waiting wait staff as they walked past. We had the, and I'm well, like, you realize you're the insane person in this situation. Well, we had the opposite the other night. We went out to dinner in Tasmania and the seat in the restaurant that we were sitting at, and it was quite a nice place, um, was just under a light. So it was a little bit bright on our table, but not even... Like, not the sort of thing that would have really bothered you, but the sort of thing that if it was easy to turn down, you would like, can you turn this down a little? So we asked if that was easy to do. And they were so nice about it, they went and turned it down. But it wasn't just our table. That light was connected to, like, all the lights in the restaurant. So essentially, they just turned down the light in the entire restaurant. So everyone else was suddenly just eating, like, in darkness because it was a bit bright for us. Now you know what it's like to be kingpin. When you ask to turn the lights down, everyone gets the lights turned down. I really enjoyed the power, I've got to be honest with you. Um, yeah, so we saw Aquaman. Did you see it? Yeah, yeah I, saw it, I saw it just after Christmas. I enjoyed it, you know what? I mean, I didn't... It was so batshit insane. I was able to sit back, a bit like, you know, that Flash Gordon movie, and be, be like... I think the fun of this film would have been in the designing of it, the putting it together. Like, I would have loved to have seen those production meetings where they're just going through concept art and like, yeah, this is where the giant crab punches the shark in the face and there's someone riding it. Like there was just some, I remember I was laughing out loud during parts of it. Cause I'm like, this is someone who spent hundreds of millions of dollars to put this on screen. And like, it was, I didn't mind it. I did pass the time fine. I don't remember anything about it, but I, I, it didn't annoy me. Yeah. Well, I mean, basically you've said you've enjoyed it in the same way you'd enjoy someone just setting on fire a large pile of money. Yeah. It's visually impressive. Exactly. And you're like, look at that. I can't believe they did that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It had, there are three things I don't like in movies. Uh, one yeah. is movies that could be described as visually spectacular. You know, I like, I'm not impressed by visuals. It's not really my thing. Um, and the other two are movies that are set in space and movies that are set underwater. <laughs> and this movie is all of those three things. It is mostly underwater space. It's like you're watching a space movie, but it's also fucking underwater. It yeah. is... Uh, but, God, I just but wanted Nic to... Nicole Kidman wearing dead fish. Oscar winner Nicole Kidman dressed in dead fish. Didn't that make you just feel like amazing? No. Like, what a day on set. It made me feel like I'm dirty, you're dirty. No wonder he's... Like, do you remember that bit where he's got BO and they're underwater? Yeah. Like, I'm like, what underwater. What is going on in this movie? Like, he's got B.O. and he's in the ocean. <laughs> like, I understand he's been physically exerting himself, but he's also in the ocean. Like, how does he have B.O. and be in the ocean? And how can he smell imagine, it anyway? Ha, imagine how bad you have to stink to be able to smell it through water, Will. But also, everyone's like, you're surrounded by fish. Fish smell. Like, who knows even what you consider B.O.? If you got used to the smell of fish all the time, then maybe what you consider B.O. is actually really like Issy Miyake or something. You're leaking Issy Miyake from your beautiful fucking armpits because every bit of you is a fucking picture that should be in a gallery so people can study the best that men can be. Like, of course, like when Jason Momoa sweats, it smells like $300 cologne, I bet. <laughs> I reckon it smells like Axe body spray. Mate, he would make Axe body spray smell good. Put it that way. 
Jason continues. If you could go back in time and make one change to a Batman film or a film featuring Batman, what would have uh, that would have the most impactful knock-on effect? What would it be? Basically, we're trying to manipulate the butter butterfly effect, the butterfly effect, you might call it. Uh, do you want to go first? Change, make a Batman change. Yeah, uh, Heath Ledger doesn't die at the end of the Dark Knight. I mean, you know, okay. look, it's a pretty big change, but we're 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 going hypothetically here. I would yeah. have loved to see that third Batman film with like the Joker, and the only person who could have played the Joker in that film was Heath Ledger, and to see what they would have done with that character, like after how amazing that performance was and how amazing that movie was, I just think yeah. they had plans for that character in that third movie. And like Tom Hardy did a great job making Bane into almost like a character as big as the Joker. But if you'd managed to have the Joker in there yeah, as part of that storyline and Bane as part of that storyline, then, you know, that, that movie potentially could have been a greater movie than The Dark Knight. I'm going to make a suggestion. What if Also, Heath Ledger that... would still be alive. And I think that's a very generous <laughs> thing for me to wish, considering that we had our own mixed past. <laughs> If I was to make a change, uh, you know how like Batman versus Superman, it's kind of has echoes of the Dark Knight. Like there's there's bits of the Dark Knight. They don't go all the way, but they sort of take panels and storylines from the Dark Knight. What if instead of casting Ben Affleck as Batman, they had brought back Michael Keaton? Because in the Dark Knight comic, Batman is like 20 years retired. He's in, in his 60s. You know, he's, he's yearning for death because not being Batman is driving him mental and then he comes back to take on the threat. If they had done that, I probably would have been more interested. Because it also makes sense when he puts on all that mech armor, like Michael Keaton against Henry Cavill is going to need to put on a lot of armor. I love it. I think that's really good. That, that would have been absolutely fantastic. Or if Batman versus Superman had just literally been an entire movie where it was Batman versus Superman just in challenges. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like if there was just a series, if the whole movie was like, essentially we're going to have a competition, Batman versus Superman, yeah. and we each get yeah. to propose like, so you, the rules yeah. are that each side, like like when you're putting together a presidential debate or whatever, you have like advanced yeah. committees, like Alfred goes and meets with, um, you know, with Lois Lane or whatever, and they nut no, out some... This, this sounds like a segment that you would have like on live television, like Hey Hey at Saturday, where they'd cut to the OB. And there'd be two teams of three and they have to do like three kind of wacky things like ride a kid's bike around, you know, a circuit. And then you've got to like carry a ball on your nose across the line. All that. If it was like that, like goofy, like t live TV games that Batman and Superman had to do for like well, three hours. I think basically there would be, so like say Superman's side could suggest 10 things and Batman's side yeah. could su suggest 10 things. And then, like, the producers of the, the challenge, the TV show, Batman versus Superman, they get to throw in five sort of deciding challenges. So, obviously, Superman is probably going to lean towards challenges that, you know, you know, his super speed and his super strength and, like, these sort yeah. of things are going to... And whereas, like, Batman's probably going to go for things like, you know, you know solving puzzles, more about your mind, yeah, yeah. you know, those sort of challenges, you know, games of chess and stuff like that. Yeah. And then there's five extra challenges that the TV producers have thrown in, which can include uh, It's a Knockout style TV games. <laughs> Backup question. That one has not provided sufficient talking points. Here's a second question. Well, we got a lot out of that, but let's yeah. see anyway. Uh, I have a podcast called Batman versus the World, and each week we discuss how Batman could beat another character from pop culture. So if you're going to Batman go up against anyone, who would it be and would he win? Um, 
Well, it just depends who the opponent is, right? Is there anyone from like the world or anyone from fixed Batman versus the world? I guess it's anyone. Um, well, he'd have to beat everyone. He's meant to be the world's most finely trained athlete and hand-to-hand combatant, right? Well, maybe it would be Batman versus Batman. So what you uh, want to see is you want to see Michael Keaton's Batman versus Ben Affleck's Batman, or you want to see yeah, Christian Bale's think, Batman versus George Clooney's Batman. I think that YouTube mashup exists. Right. Some of those cut-together fight scenes. Uh, thanks for reading this. I hope the fact that I'm all the way in the UK doesn't mean I'm too far for a potential sticker book uh, that is a page and not a book. <laughs> Jason, by the way, here's my email. Thanks, Jason. Uh, one last one is from Jess. And she's provided her address, so I'm all, I haven't read this, this message yet, but I'm already leaning in her favour because she's been very proactive. I mean, that's tough news for Jason, who I think yeah, really provided two pretty solid riffs for us and a whole lot of content, had really gone to an effort of thinking about what he was going to write in all the way from the UK, brought some Batman back to the podcast, and Jess has just managed to include her address and therefore she's <laughs> the winner. Wait a minute, we haven't got there yet. Hi, Will and Charlie. So, some of the dream talk in earlier TOEFOP respondents reminded me of a fairly bizarre TOEFOP dream I had several years ago. I love these TOEFOP dreams. It was around the time when Charlie got the home and away job and had to stop doing the podcast. In the dream, Will was desperate to find some way to continue recording TOEFOP with Charlie. He knew there was every chance Charlie could return to the pod at some point down the track, but, it was, but he was also impatient and didn't fancy waiting around for that to happen. And so, in classic TOEFOP fashion, Will turned to the magic of time travel to solve his problems. Mm. He decided to Skype to the future. In surprisingly short, is this a dream? This sounds very detailed for a dream. I mean, I like it so far. I've got to be honest with you. Okay. In surprisingly short order, Will had established a video connection to 2042, 30 years into the future, and was online with the future Charlie. It was obvious some flavor of apocalypse had gone down, climate, nuclear, robot, maybe even a combination of the three. Charlie was living in an elaborate domed city built into the sloping walls of what appeared to be a gigantic crater. Lush greener. I mean, I know you hate visuals, Will, but she's doing a great job of describing this. Oh, no, no, no. I love nothing more than people describing visuals. I just don't like looking at the visuals. I would much rather have listened to those visuals being described to me for the hour and a half at IMAX in that beautiful sound than actually seeing those visuals. Lush greenery grew between the buildings, which were filled with incredible technology. So it's basically Wakanda. Uh, it wasn't clear what was outside the dome. In fact, it wasn't clear what had happened to the world at all. Because every time you started discussing what the future was like or whether the rise of the machines had happened, you'd both end up veering off, a ta- off on a tangent and talking about something completely unrelated instead. Like Ian Ziering's current relationship status. I remember this detail distinctly. Will was very intent on getting to the bottom of it. Well, well firstly, uh, his name is pronounced Iron because I have met Iron Zeering. I met him in Bondi. And I said, oh, hello, Iron. And he said, thanks for saying it's Iron. And I said, it's definitely not Ian. And he said, no, Iron. And I said, I like his show, <laughs> which I did. Honestly, aside from the lack of time travel talk, it was more or less like a regular episode of TOEFOP. Do you reckon he Iron Zeering ever says to people, I am Iron Man? <laughs> Probably. That's good. <laughs> I like that, Will. Very clever. Wordplay. Okay. (laughs) It was Mike, a regular episode of TOEFOP. Near the end of the episode, Will asked where his own future self was, and Charlie said fairly flatly, yeah, yeah, he didn't want to talk to you. (laughs) From there, the conversation petered out awkwardly. Finally, Charlie said something like, you know, let's not do this again. (laughs) Will agreed. Yeah, no, this is weird. (laughs) 
And then you both sat for a while in uncomfortable silence before disconnecting the call. <laughs> At which point, I guess Will, having learned the virtue of patience, decided to dispense with the time travel and just rope in some guest Charlies for the podcast instead. Thanks for all the years of hilarious content. You guys are awesome. Cheers, Jess. Well, pretty good. That was pretty good, but I feel like you're still waiting your response based on the fact she's already provided her address. <laughs> so, uh, uh, well, here's what I would say about the future thing is that I quite like that. I actually think that's a cool idea. Like the idea that you, I'm talking to you in the future and it would explain how angry you are at young people and all this conversation that we've had about bins of late and you complaining. Like if, if you are actually someone who is you from the future, that actually clears a lot of things up. Um, I, th I also am, I'm warmed by the fact that my future me didn't want to speak to me. I feel like that means that in the future I've got better standards and I like the idea yeah. that we're still talking. Yeah. I mean, well, you're talking to, where am I in the present? Was that established? You're at home and away. Oh, right. You're, okay. you're, you're okay. at Summer so, Bay, so I'm talking to you in the future because that's the only workaround I can come up with. And future me doesn't want to get involved. He doesn't want to talk to me, which I think is a good sign. But he's still talking to you because you've said you've talked to, you asked future me if he wanted to talk to me. Would you want to talk to past you? No, 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 no. No. No use. Dear You'd God, have no, nowhere on the timeline to, I, to speak to I don't have. So. I don't know how you put up with it. Like, I would never want to talk to me. <laughs> um, okay, so we need to vote. So it's either Vanessa uh, with the uh, deep fried tip, uh, Jason with the Batman hypothetical, or Jess with her weirdo dream. Um, you've made your you made your you've made your uh, your, your favoritism clear. You like Jason? I got to be honest with um, you though. I will say this: Jess came home strong. Like Jess yeah, was also like, great. I'm going to go with J Jason or Jess. Well, okay. Jason or Jess and Mike Cowell, can you be the deciding vote? You, use one of your algorithms to tell us who, who gets a sticker pack. The Mike Cowell is offline. This is, no, he's typing. Jess! Jess! Ooh, controversial. Oh. Well, that makes sense. He's a, he's a machine, ruthless efficiency. We've got the address. Send the sticker pack out. Well done. I agree. No, all yeah, great You letters. agree because you have Jess's address and it's also not UK postage. <laughs> I, I know why you agree. I understand how this shit went down. I'm sorry, Jason. Pure economics and Charlie's laziness has tainted this competition, this Royal Rumble. Uh, if you want to send us a message, all you have to do is sign up to Patreon. Winner of the best message wins a sticker pack, which will be going out to Jess this week. Have we got time for one or two more T-mails? Or what do you, what do you, what's, your, what's your vibe? Yeah, no, I, can, I can do another one if you want. Okay. Well, these are from the general. This is from the general public. I'm assuming these are the non-subscribers. Maybe you are, maybe you're not. Anyway. This is from Derek. Hey, Tofop. Hello, gentlemen. Derek here from Denver, Colorado with a tantalizing Tofop tidbit. I've been listening nearly since the start around when Walking Room began mentioning you as a sister pod. My tidbit is this. If a new study were to come out that revealed uh, the starting... If a new study were to come out that revealed the starting discovery that somehow the emissions expelled from humans when laughing was a major contributor to climate change, how would you feel? Could you continue on with the show? Assuming listeners actually laugh while listening to Tofop. Love you guys. Thank you for the hours of uh, enjoyment you've given me over the years. Okay, your, your best uh, position to answer this as a provider of said pollution. Well, you know what? It's funny that this actually comes up because it, might, it may not make the show. I'm not at that stage to be able to lock things in. But one of the ideas I've been toying around with the new show 
is that idea of trying to do a routine about the mindset of the fossil fuel companies that covered it up. Because, you know, these fossil fuel companies who have deliberately spread disinformation about what is going to become a climate disaster for the planet, like that's a kind of moral reckoning you've got to make in your own head that is like my short-term gain is better than the like long-term future on the planet of which we live, right? And so I wanted to try to write something that was along those ideas. So I was actually toying with something that was kind of a bit similar to this, which was right. if, you know, if it came out, the comedy was bad. I hadn't actually linked it to the environment. I was going to go kind of, there if it go. was medically bad. Yeah, yeah, free idea. Thank you. It was very handy. Yeah. I actually, no, no. In fact, that's what I was thinking about. I thought of that first <laughs> ages ago, years ago, to be honest. I wrote it on a piece of paper with copyright next to it, which was weird to do at the time. I don't normally do it, but I remember specifically I did it at that time. I mailed it to myself. I wrote it on the top of this newspaper, which has another date. It's today, but ignore that. No, I faxed it to a news agent who I paid $200 to change the date on a fax machine. Um, all right. Uh, I Yeah, that idea that some, you would protect your own industry or at least mm. spread some disinformation about the negative side effects of the thing that you were self-interested in is... I mean, I guess if, if, if it turned out that laughter was one of the major causes... Okay, so in the same way as cow farts are, right? But people mm -hmm. are still going to farm cows and eat cows and those sort of things, right? So if yeah. so if laughing is the equivalent of cow farts. Yeah, you release methane through your throat when you laugh. It's called throat farting. I would think that there's got to be a safe and appropriate level of throat farting. Like, are we going on, like, worldwide restrictions? Like, because, mm. yes, I can make people laugh, but no one can make you laugh like you're you know, best friends late at night, you know, you know, yeah. hanging shit on some, you know, hilarious moment that you all shared together. No one's ever going to make you laugh like that. You're never going to watch like a stand-up performance that makes you laugh mm. in the way that your close friends can laugh. So are we cracking down on that or are we only cracking mm. down on professional laugh makers and destroying an industry? Well, I think what you've got to work out is, is it concentrated? Like if you have a stadium, just say you've got like Chris Rock or someone who's playing to a stadium full of people, like what is the, right. how much of the, the uh, 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 what would you call it, LAFO2 <laughs> is getting into the atmosphere. Like you need to, you need to know, because if it's, if it's just like small amounts are fine, yeah. like your carbon footprint is small, your laughter footprint is small. Like I think this podcast would be okay. I don't think we're, I don't think we're making any like no. giant footprints. Yeah, many of, yes, exactly. Yes, <laughs> many, many, many times on this podcast, we are definitely carbon neutral. In fact, if anything, we go too far the other way. Um, yeah, I, look, I would think maybe you would pay some offset program like you do when you fly, for example, right? So when you fly, you've got a little thing that you can pay to like offset the carbon emissions from your flying. It'd be the same. Mm. You kind of include it on the ticket price, I suppose, and yeah. say to people, you know, like we're offsetting this show. There's an extra dollar twelve or whatever so that like, you know, I guess, I mean... It'd be a nice way to justify people not laughing. Maybe you just think they were more concerned about the. <laughs> like yeah, I wonder. I started playing to those lefty university crowds. Yeah, nodders. Yeah, yeah, a whole bunch of nodders. <laughs> mm, I agree. That is the easiest comedy to write. That'd be actually be good. That'd take a whole load because I'm good at yeah. writing things people will agree with. It's then making them funnier. This is the tricky part. If I could just go back to having an audience of nodders. And it would be pleasing to us all for the environment. We'd be all so self-righteous. We'd be like, look at us nodding and saving the world. <laughs> I agree. We are great. 
Uh, let's read one last letter before we go. This is from Theo. Hey, fellas. Just wondering whether, as a longtime Smallville fan, Will was aware that Alison Mack was arrested in April and has been accused of being a senior leader in a crazy sex cult multi-level marketing scheme. Just thought he should know. Might add a creepy meta-textual awareness next time he rewatches the series. Check out the link below for more information. Love the show, guys. Keep up good work. Uh, yes. Yes, I did know that. I wouldn't call myself a long-time Smallville fan. I'd like... I'm much yeah. more like a long-time Smallville observer. Yeah, you endured Smallville mm. rather than like... I got through it. it. I watched it <laughs> yeah, all. Yeah. And yes, I have committed to following up any information that is related to the cast of Smallville. So yes, I've been right across this story. I've read every single thing about it. And she was probably my favorite and the most sympathetic character in the entire series too. So the fact that she's... The one who's like the crazy sex trafficker well, is bring, bring me up to speed. Give me the give me the 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 give me the cliff notes. Ah, uh, blah blah blah. Really sex cult. Blah blah blah. She got recruited. Blah blah blah. She recruited other people in dodgy situations. All right. Cool. Yeah. Great story. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's wanna... you know what it is. It's one of those things where you read the headline and you go Smallville star sex cult. Where you go, oh, this will be a great story, and then you read it and you're sad. <laughs> That's what it is. Oh. <laughs> okay. Well, on the sad note, let's sign off. If you want to support the show, the best way to do that is to go to patreon.com forward slash TOEFOP. So Patreon is like a crowdfunded site. It keeps, the, uh, uh, keeps our show going by donations. So we really rely on that at the moment. We do have sponsors, as you, as you hear at the start of the show, but um, uh, this is our core financing. This is what uh, enables us to do the show from week to week. So if you want to support us and hear more of us, please uh, give what you can at Patreon. Uh, we are on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, what else? You got shows? Uh, oh yeah, so uh, my new show, Will Informed, uh, March eight in Hobart, and then the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. I will say thank you to everyone who's bought tickets because it's my uh, fastest selling show ever at the festival so far. Right. So I hope I hope that keeps going. That'd be cool. And at some stage this year, we are going to be doing some live shows. We haven't done live shows for a a long time mm. now, but we're looking at a few different little plans for maybe some small pop-up things that will be off the grid a bit and maybe some sort of a little bit more mainstream things. Nothing sort of big like we've been doing during the comedy festival, maybe some yeah. smaller, cooler, more interesting things to do. So watch this space. Yeah. There'll be, I've had a few people ask if we're going to do live shows during the festival, not during the festival. Well, no, I mean, even who knows, there may even be maybe, something small, not, but not, but not, not related really to the festival. The festival. No. Yeah, yeah, and not a big it's, show it's more, in the way. We're sort of going for like a tofu up unplugged kind of vibe. Yeah, exactly. Uh, literally, because most of the time the microphones are unplugged. Uh, all right, that's it. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you.